Today on Blue 58, the Packers made it to their bye week with a win, courtesy of a great overall effort against the Rams. Here's what this game says about the Packers going into the stretch run. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, back from Thanksgiving with a Packers win. What a win it was. Usually we start with what happened in this game. Better question tonight might be what didn't happen. Aaron Rodgers, solid game start to finish. A.J. Dillon making plays in short yardage. Randall Cobb making plays in the passing game for the Packers and on special teams for the Rams. Uh, The Packers' defense scoring points and basically shutting down the Rams, by and large, 28 points, sure. But still, great effort from the defense. Mason Crosby missed a field goal. But most importantly, the Packers beat the Rams. I released a little Thanksgiving preview Wednesday in which I said that I thought the the Rams would beat the Packers today. So clearly I did not expect this. I give myself a little bit of an asterisk in hindsight because I didn't expect the Packers to get Rashawn Gary, Alan Lazard, and Aaron Jones back relatively late in the week. Jones himself a game-time decision today. He ends up not having that big an impact on the game itself, but he's still making his way back from injury. But even if you had told me the Packers would get all of those guys back, you'd think the Rams should have been able to handle the Packers, given where the Rams' strengths are and where the Packers' weaknesses are as currently constructed. The Rams should have been able to do better than they did if the Rams are who we've been led to believe. But why shouldn't we have believed in them? I mean, the Rams were favored to win this game. They've got super genius Sean McVay, obviously, a little bit of sarcasm there. They've got talented skill position players, no sarcasm at all. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a good defense. And yet, the Packers handled all of those things. Which leads us to a conclusion about the Packers that they're a really good football team. Because the Rams' offense looked pretty ordinary today. Their skill position guys are basically neutralized. The Packers pressured Matt Stafford, got him to make a couple of bad plays. And against that vaunted Rams defense, the Packers put up 29 points, plus that pick six, plus a missed field goal. Could have been more. So really, either the Rams are an absolute overrated pile of nonsense, which is possible. It does happen this late in the year. And they are pretty banged up in in their own right. I mean, Matthew Stafford clearly wasn't right in this game. Or the Packers might really have something here because they've continued to stay competitive week in and week out, even when they shouldn't be. Winding back to the last month or so, the Packers have put up two losses, but even in those two losses, they've been right there. Jordan Love did his darndest against the Chiefs. There was a lot of things that happened around him that prevented... um, prevented that game from going a little bit better. If Mason Crosby makes more two, two more kicks in that game, two kicks at all in that game, the Packers are driving to tie late. And if Aaron Rodgers is out there for that game, the Packers, I think, probably win pretty easily outright. Against the Vikings, the Packers obviously were competitive there, right there to the very end, despite their very slow start. It's just that they couldn't take advantage of the Vikings' many mistakes. No matter what's happening, week in and week out, the Packers are competitive, and that's a mark of a really good team. And in this game in particular, 
you've got to think it measures among the very best wins of the Matt LaFleur era. People talked about that win in Arizona on Thursday night football against the Cardinals being the best. I think that it's right up there. This one might be even better. Dominant wire to wire. They didn't have to pull it out late like they did against the Cardinals with a miraculous defensive play. They just put up solid performance after solid performance after solid performance in this game. And it ends putting up almost 40 on another NFC contender and getting a win heading into a bye week that they desperately need. Let's talk about some good stuff that happened in this game. Circling more specifically now to the defense. The Packers' defense, I think, did just about everything you could have asked for. Just about. Sure, a couple big explosive plays going for scores. But other than that, the Rams looked very ordinary on offense. I've used that word twice now. I don't care. It is entirely descriptive of what the Rams did today. They just looked like an average offense. And they shouldn't be. They've got a creative, intelligent coach in Sean McVay who made some baffling decisions in this game. Running on third and one late, then kicking a field goal down, whatever it was, to pull within late, within eight, with what, 18 seconds left? That strange, strange decision, among others, that panicked almost going for it on fourth down in the first half, setting the Packers up for points. It was just not a great game for the Rams. And a large part of that was the Packers' defense. They held Matt Stafford to 55% completion rate. It took 20 targets for Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. together to get to 12 catches. 20 targets for 12 catches. They averaged 3.4 yards per carry on the ground as a team. If nothing else, that is staggeringly inefficient offense. And if you're going to be inefficient, you're going to lose if you give up more than 30 points. And that is the reality for the Rams. They lost because their very inefficient offense couldn't keep pace with the Packers, plus the seven points the Packers got from their defense. That's how it works out. Got to be more efficient than that. Another good thing I really liked in this one was a situational football for the Packers. They did really well on third and fourth and short. They got in third and long maybe a little bit too often. But when they got it to third and fourth and short, they converted. All their third down runs in third and short or so went for first downs. That drive that put them up 27-17, to 17, they converted a third and one and a fourth and two. The third and one was an A.J. Dillon run. Everything we've been asking for this season, just put the big man in there and let him hammer away, and hammer away he did, just dragging Rams defenders with him about wherever he went. On fourth and two, you've got, you've got Josiah DeGuara finding a soft spot in the Rams zone, or in the Rams zone, and just setting up there and waiting for Aaron Rodgers to find him, and find him, Aaron Rodgers did for the conversion in a key situation. It's hard to imagine that play happening a month ago, but Degora is really blossoming down the stretch here. This is two games in a row where he's had a really big, important play, and the Packers now, and I guess Aaron Rodgers specifically are looking for him in those situations. And that's a great thing, especially with Robert Tunyon on the shelf. The Packers just kept their defense off the field, controlling the ball, converting when they had to, not giving anything away, protecting Aaron Rodgers. Just a great effort top to bottom. And let's talk about that offensive line here for for a second as the third of three good things for the Packers today. Look, it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. Aaron Rodgers was hurried a few times. 
made a couple bad decisions, I think, as as a result of maybe anticipating some pressure. But by and large, good effort from the Packers' offensive line, a great effort. The Rams are not short for pass rushers. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, among others. But they only gave up one sack, and I would say it's entirely on Aaron Rodgers, and they didn't even lose a single yard on it. That's a pretty darn good effort. Especially considering that this is probably going to be the offensive line for the foreseeable future, barring a return from David Bakhtiari, which we'll hope for in the relatively near future. As far as bad stuff, I don't want to focus on too much here because, hey, the Packers got an upset win. And it was an upset. Don't get that wrong. The Rams were favored to win this game, and they didn't. Packers score the upset. I don't want to focus too much then on the bad stuff because I think the bad stuff is either really obvious or stuff that's just been an issue for a while or something that ultimately didn't affect the outcome of this game. But I do want to talk about two things. First, the panoply of special teams issues the Packers just continue to deal with. It's a, I almost said fun surprise. It's not any fun at all, but it is an interesting surprise to see how the Packers special teams are going to disappoint you on a weekly basis. We finally get a Randall Cobb punt return, and then we get the worst possible outcome there. We get another missed field goal from Mason Crosby after a couple solid, solid attempts. We get the Packers burning a timeout after they're considering an absurdly long field goal, only to come back out on the field and decide to punt. Why not just take the five yards? Just the entirety of special teams, it just it isn't coming together. And it continues to not come together. And you hope that the Packers get something figured out here before the playoffs. Because heading into the long dark of another offseason, after a muffed punt, or a big kickoff return sets up somebody for a game-winning field goal or something, would just be, well, completely expected for one, given how things have played out this season, but kind of the ultimate letdown too. At least if it's your defense giving up a big late conversion or something like that, at least it's understandable. Offense versus defense is the confrontation that, that you expect. That's the normal part of football. Special teams letting you down is always going to feel like an aberration, except in Green Bay where it's unusually familiar. The other bad thing I want to talk about today also comes with a little bit of an asterisk, but the Packers' defensive backs cannot seem to make a play on the ball when it is in the air, and it's getting concerning. Eric Stokes continually has issues getting his hands in the right position to make a catch or just recognizing when the ball is in the play and figuring out where he's supposed to be relative to that. The Cooper Cup to Van Jefferson touchdown, not touchdown is a classic example there. Just barely seemed aware that the the ball was coming, but he's not the only one who struggled with the ball in the air today. Chandon Sullivan did. Rasul Douglas made the pick, but dropped another. And then what happens two plays later? Oh, big touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr. On a play, where the Packers just couldn't get in the right position when the ball is in the air. That, almost as much as special team stuff, feels like something that could haunt the Packers. Again, this playoff run. 
We all saw what can happen if you drop an interception against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game last year. Will Redmond, just released by the Packers this week, probably could have sealed things before the half there for the Packers, but instead he drops an interception, a relatively easy one, and well, we all know what happened between Kevin King and Scotty Miller. But these bad things are nothing we didn't know about already. And ultimately, the bad stuff that, that worked out in this game didn't end up preventing the Packers from getting the win. And so here we are, heading into the Packers' absurdly late bye, 9-3, and three, getting ready to push through these last five games of the regular season and into the playoffs. And that's a pretty darn good place to be. What does this win mean? They get the win to stay at 9-3. and three. They go into the bye with the win. And most importantly, right now, they are keeping pace for the one seed in the NFC. Cardinals nominally on top of the AFC right now. At 9-2, and two, they are technically a game ahead of the Packers. But the Packers have the tiebreaker, and the Cardinals have not yet played their 12th game. So the Packers ahead of them there. The Buccaneers are 8-3. and three. They managed to escape again today, the Colts gift-wrapping a win for the Buccaneers. And beyond that, the rest of the field is beginning to fall away. Certainly aren't going to get caught in the NFC North. The Packers have as many wins just on their own as the rest of the NFC North combined. Hope you like that one win over the Packers, Vikings fans. Sitting at 5-6, and six, you represent five of the other nine wins in the division other than the Packers, because the Bears have four and the Lions have zero. But if you want to get philosophical beyond what it means for the Packers heading into the bye, one seed, whatever, I think this means the Packers are getting to a tipping point. We talked about the three guys that came back this week, Rashawn Gary, Allen, Lazard, Aaron Jones. But after that, David Bakhtiari is next man up. We've seen how good the Packers' offense can be even with Yash Nyman holding down the Ford at left tackle. David Bakhtiari comes back, that could change things even more. Jair Alexander seems not far beyond that, and the Packers still haven't ruled out Zedarius Smith for this season. It feels like we're starting to see the Packers approaching a peak. They're only going to get healthier from here, you know, barring injuries, and, you know, they do happen, but the stars are starting to get to the point where we can realistically talk about them coming back. As we said, heading into that Cardinals game, we are in the end game now. And the Packers are preparing to win it, and it's starting to look more and more like it could be a possibility. They keep stacking solid performances against good teams. Even in the loss against the Vikings last week, they played well. They didn't play a complete game, but you don't put up 31 points by accident. And the Packers had a pretty solid final two and a half to three quarters of that game. It was just they started really poorly because they are a good team. And until somebody proves otherwise in the playoffs, they're going to have the opportunity to beat anybody you put them up against. Up next, we have the bye week. We get to evaluate the Packers a little bit. They get to rest up, and they get to get ready for the final push to the playoffs and see where they shake out from there. The next time we'll see the Packers is going to be on Sunday night football against the Chicago Bears in week 14, two weeks from now. So, Prepare yourself accordingly accordingly for post-bye week football. Let's talk about a few things that we observed in this game and then get you on to uh, the start of your week. Hope you enjoy your victory Monday. Uh, I did not enjoy not having one last week, so make sure you savor it extra a little bit. Maybe a little bit of thankfulness, you know? 
a lot of stuff to be thankful with, thankful for uh, over over Thanksgiving for me personally. And now we get an extra one uh, coming out of Thanksgiving weekend with a win. Uh, Aaron Rodgers accomplished one of my very favorite football things today. Zero rushing yards at the end of the game, but one rushing touchdown. Finished the day with two carries for zero yards and one touchdown. I love that it is statistically possible in football to have no yards, but also still score a touchdown. This is just the 15th time that this has been done in Packers history, according to Pro Football Reference. The best and most interesting example was by Elijah Pitts all the way back in 1963. A game that year, he had eight carries for zero yards and a touchdown. And of course, Aaron Rodgers also outran Jalen Ramsey to the pylon for that score on a quasi-read option look that maybe he did himself. Kind of seemed like he did. Still an interesting look and a fun thing to see. Also, his 13th career game, according to the Fox broadcast, with two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown, most all-time in the NFL. Not too bad. Randall Cobb scored a touchdown today, again. Uh, but how he scored it was interesting. It seemed to be a direct ripoff from what the Vikings used to score on the Packers with Justin Jefferson last week, not on his big bomb touchdown, but the score where he lined up as a wide receiver in the backfield, runs a little angle route, uh, an H post, as uh, Troy Aikman called it, a little little post route for a running back out of the backfield. Randall Cobb ran the exact same thing, kind of the inverse of how Jefferson ran it. He Jefferson ran it on the right side, he ran it on the left side. But, hey, beautiful play design. If it works, don't be above stealing. And uh, the Packers seem to have stolen a great play from the Vikings and put it to use in a great situation to get Randall Cobb a score. I don't know what to make of this, but the Rams returned a bunch of kickoffs against the Packers. Some of it seemed by design by the Packers, kicking it high and short, getting the Rams to field it just outside the end zone. But a lot of it seemed like a choice by the Rams, too, just trying to bring the ball out and make a play however they could with Sony Michel primarily, it seemed. I don't know what to make of that, and I don't know if it's something the Rams were doing intentionally, but it's odd to see so many kick returns in a game anyway that I feel like you almost have to make a note of it just because it's something you hardly ever see anymore, just that many kick returns in general. Sticking with the special teams theme, Equinemius St. Brown had two tackles on special teams tonight, one tackle, one assist. He now has the same number of total tackles as Ty Summers, the special teams ace on the season. St. Brown also had one wiped out because of a Rams penalty that allowed the Packers to extend a drive offside on a punt. Don't see that every day. And uh, it allowed the Packers to extend a drive um, against the Rams. Ultimately, it didn't come uh, to anything, but I'm uh, just kind of curious that the uh, the officials saw fit to, to throw a flag in that particular instance. I don't have a specific thing to talk about with the the officiating either, other than that it just felt like a weirdly officiated game. And that kind of harkens back to my overall complaint with with officiating in the NFL. It just seems so capricious and random. What's a penalty? What isn't a penalty? I, I honestly don't know. What's a catch? What isn't a catch? What's an interception? What isn't an interception? It doesn't seem like we have a clear answer to any of those questions. Just another example of um, the refs intervening in an unusual time and an unusual way. What you're going to do other than just live along with these refs that we get we get attached to. Finally, 
Rashawn Gary, one sack, two quarterback hits. He also forced a holding penalty on a third and 10 as he was bearing down on uh, Matthew Stafford again. Really today, I think, just showed how valuable he is, even if he's limited some by a hurt elbow. Still a dynamic force in the, the pass rush game. And it just affirms my belief even more that the Packers would have won last week with Rashawn Gary out there. He's to the point where he just means that much to this Packers defense. So I've got for you in this episode, if you enjoyed it, I, it would mean a lot to me if you would share it with somebody you think would enjoy it as well. We're coming down the stretch here in 2021, uh, the calendar year, not the uh, the regular season, though we're getting to that as well. And I'd really would love to continue to uh, attract as many ears as we can to this podcast. I think we're doing a good job, uh, but could use your help there as well. So if you would go ahead and share this with someone you think would enjoy it, You'll get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having together about the Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, perhaps me especially, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.